0: Hey there and welcome to the Shout Your Birth Podcast. On this show, we get candid about all things birth, from the glorious, terrifying, exhilarating, to the traumatic, to the dramatic, all the TMI details that uh, you usually don't talk about with your girlfriends over social media. Um, We dig in and try to get the real story on what it's like to birth a human. On this podcast, we also talk to a variety of experts across multiple disciplines asking the question, how can we improve birth in the U.S.? Our mission is to create a space for connection, healing, and most of all, to help demystify birth. Welcome. It is such an honor to share this space with you. I'm your host, Moni O'Brien. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to part two of my interview with the irreverent and amazing Caitlin Benson. As you know, here at Birth Talk, we are deeply committed to sharing raw and unfiltered birth stories for both hope and healing. And I do want to provide you a trigger warning today that this episode contains descriptions of postpartum depression and sexual assault. We also get into the details of Caitlin's emotionally charged second birth of her beautiful son, Owen, who was born by a C-section during the COVID pandemic. So lots of traumatic things happening in this episode. You know, we keep it raw and real here because sharing our stories is not only a deeply healing experience, but also because in doing so, we aim to discover solutions to America's terrible motherhood mortality problem. Now, there's no um, mortality problems in this episode. And it is not all gloom and doom, I promise you. Caitlin always has a way of keeping it light um, in the face of keeping it real. In this episode, what I love hearing about is what Caitlin was able to do to advocate for herself um, during her postpartum experience, as well as in the face of unexpected changes to her birth plan. There's also a hilarious anecdote about how she discovered that she had scoliosis during her labor. To kick off the episode, we start our discussion around Caitlin's postpartum experience after delivering her daughter, Ellie, who we talked about in part one of our interview. Caitlin gets candid around her struggles with anxiety and OCD and through an incredibly painful discovery of how a former sexual assault impacted her postpartum journey. Then we shift gears and get into the step-by-step journey of of Caitlin ushering her beautiful baby Owen onto the planet. So, without further ado, let's dive in. So quickly before you talk about Owen, how was postpartum with Ellie? Like, did you recover pretty well? Did you feel like you dealt with some postpartum depression? So I
1: definitely had postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. Um, I have have generalized anxiety anyways and depression anyways and. So I was kind of expecting
0: mm-hmm. to
1: have this happen. It like what it it didn't hit me like, oh my god, this is so shocking. It Was like, yeah, I, I think anyone with depression knows. Like, if you have depression, you you really have it your whole life. You have to do the work to to get out of these ruts, and and it doesn't go away. It just goes into remission. Mm.
0: Um,
1: yeah, and postpartum depression was. Slightly different because so many things had changed in my life I was no longer only accountable for me I was suddenly you know had this tiny baby who relied on me for food and care and that wasn't um such a jarring thing but like breastfeeding was much harder than I thought it would be um and I didn't feel this like joy and like this connection like I had anticipated mm-hmm. feeling until, until much later. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much when she was like done breastfeeding, I, I started to like really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm such a person who adds humor to everything that like, it's really hard for people to tell if I'm depressed mm-hmm. and really hiding it. Sure, um, but yeah, I had actually attributed the depression to some things that had gone on in my childhood. i I sought out of a therapist eventually. I was working with a social worker who was like not cutting it. She was 24 and childless. And she was like, you just need to get your baby on a schedule. And I was like, we need to not see each other ever again. Oh you. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, Did you read that so somewhere? I, found, mm-hmm. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I found a therapist um, who was really great and really thought that a lot of my issues were from some things that had gone on in my childhood. Um, and that's why I was having so many problems postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, as it turned out, I didn't really connect the dots until my daughter was probably like a year and a half, almost two years old, That actually the trauma of me recovering from a vaginal birth was linked to a sexual assault that I had never dealt with. I, you know, it happened in college. It was Had gone through a race my freshman year, and just decided Mm -hmm. to bury it way down deep and never talk about it, even to my therapist. I didn't. I did never bring it up because I didn't think that it
0: had anything relevant. Oh, yeah, sure. Um,
1: So it it sort of just like hit me like a ton of bricks one day. I was like, oh, this is why I had such a rough time, and even to the point of like I remember going in for a postpartum checkup, and it was six weeks. And I, I had a secondary tear, so I did have some stitches, um, and was in a bit of pain. It's definitely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And uh, the midwife is like, "Oh, have you had sex yet?" I was like, "Gross! No, <laughs> no, right. I am so mortified by like what's happening
0: mm-hmm. with my
1: vagina. Like, I I don't want anyone to. I'm not even wiping it. I'm literally spraying it with a spray bottle." to clean it after I go to the bathroom. Um, and I was not able to comfortably have sex until six months after the birth. And I finally was like, Oh, this is all related to a sexual assault trauma that had happened that I had time to work through.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. It was a a mess and I'm glad that I finally figured it out and was able to talk to someone about it and was able to like really work through it and deal
0: with what has gone on. Yeah. Um, Probably so common. And probably like you were, we were talking before we started recording, but wonder how many women have experienced something similar and are not even necessarily connecting the dots between the two. But what a revelation. why can I not work through this? Like, what is going on? And then when it
1: hits you, it hits you like a ton of bricks. You're like, oh my God, everything makes sense.
0: Yeah. And
1: in addition to some of like the depression and anxiety I was experiencing, I also had some OCD behaviors come back up, Mm -hmm. um, which I'd had a lot of in my childhood that I first hid because it was like, very to me very like shameful that I did these things Mm -hmm. Um, but it's actually like pretty common and I I've noticed I have like triggers and and the way that it sort of manifests in me is like I feel very out of control in a situation so I do things like um lock the door three times at night Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: um, Mm -hmm. turn a light off and on seven times and uh do these things where I'm like oh I have I don't have control of my child and of my schedule and of my body, but I have control of a light switch. I have control mm-hmm. of a lock on my door. Yeah. So I w- was able, kind of like the second time around with my second pregnancy, to like really notice these triggers very quickly and kind of recalibrate myself and reset and be like, okay, nice. this is how we're going to work through this. Yeah.
0: Do you have any recommendations for how you navigated that? Like, was it, you've mentioned therapy, but any other kind of like tips for people trying to navigate yeah. their own trauma?
1: I mean, I think, I think talking about it with people is huge because there still is a stigma about it. I think people are like, like the term depression and like anxiety is so, prevalent now people are like I have depression I have anxiety of course you do they're human conditions but there's a point in time where it becomes a problem for your mental health mm-hmm. and and your ability to function your everyday life where you need to seek treatment and you need to find like some exercises and some things that actually work for you um you know and like part of that for me is just like stepping away from what I think is happening and like really grounding myself in my reality
0: mm. uh,
1: and yeah. and kind of looking yeah. around and like assessing my situation and going like, there really is no need to, to touch the locked door three times.
0: Mm-hmm. No one
1: is coming to get you, you know, like things like that. And
0: sure. I'm lucky
1: I have a partner who's like so supportive and understanding because I'm sure he could <laughs> look at me <laughs> and think, Oh my God, this is, <laughs> You know, this is kind of nutty, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I'm like, like doubled down on, on things that I, that I'm doing to make me feel nice. better.
0: He's like, well, uh, I'm going to turn the lights off 14 yeah. times. So <laughs> take that. <laughs> Just that, But I did, I had like, um, I had a moment the other
1: night actually, where I was like, can you go up in the attic and check to make sure that no one's there? And he was like, do you want me to look under the house too? <laughs> and,
0: and you're like, I mean, yep.
1: it was. It was so comforting to have him not be like, are you out of your mind right now? (laughs) You know, just like meet me where I was and not question it. Yeah.
0: And and just be
1: like, okay, this is what you're, this is where we're at. This is what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. So all of that to say my thoughts on what was going to happen with my second birth, my son's birth, Owen, were so different. because I really was aware of the fact that like all of this trauma that happened to my vagina was like greatly affecting me. So I kind yeah. of like, maybe, maybe I don't try for a drug free birth this time. Maybe I do just numb myself. Mm. Sure. Um, and I, I mean, I really, I had time to sit and think with myself because it was a pandemic and there was sure. a lot of time to sit and think. Um, but I, I was really able to be like, you know, what, what does it mean for me to, to do this? Like, what, at, at one point I was like, um, you know, I, I want to have a, a natural drug free birth because I want to take my power back. And then I was like, mm. what the hell does that mean? Like wow, like why did I just say that? What is what is that even? Maybe, like that. maybe me taking maybe me taking my power back is numbing myself to mm-hmm. what's going on and to getting an epidural. So I started okay. to be kind of like more okay with, mm-hmm. you know, just like whatever happens in birth happens. And my birth plan with Ellie was like a mile long. <laughs> and with <sighs> when it was like, have a baby.
0: Like, right. I, yes, I just, have the baby. Yeah, come out on the like, other side whole. Yeah, this may be the birth plan
1: because no matter what happens
0: mm-hmm. in this
1: in the minute details, mm-hmm. I I would have met my goal. Yeah.
0: Um. So well, that's probably a healthy approach. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, it's it was more open. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. But I had also um. We had moved, so I had a a new OB that I found. There wasn't um, a hospital with midwives in the area, and um, by the time that I had gotten around to thinking, like maybe I'll hire a midwife again, it was the pandemic, and I was like, let me close myself off to anyone who's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. In my life right now, right in um, the
0: height of the pandemic, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was born in August, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, plus you're trying to work from home and raise your other child.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There wasn't a ton of time to be like, this is the birth that I'd like. It was Mm -hmm. just like, did I brush my teeth today? Like I don't don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I had, I had found this OB, um, who I just thought was like fantastic. Like I had a great first meeting with her. Um, I was able to tell her right up front, like, look, I am an assault survivor. I have a lot of issues with, like, unnecessary cervical checks. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, even, like, a regular exam, it's it's going to take
0: a lot out of me. Yeah. Super, super understanding. Um, so fascinating because, like, so for the first pregnancy, you didn't even have this sort of awareness or, like, yeah. wherewithal to even think of this as... Is- anything you could request or mention or anything like that. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And and it was, to me, it was just like, well, going to the OB sucks because everyone hates going to the, like, no one's like, oh God, I just love a cervical exam, you know? So, oh yeah. So I was like, (laughs) dental cleaning. like
0: (laughs) Yes. I can't wait. I
1: (laughs) I would have this very like awful reaction to these things. And it, to me, it was just like, Well, because this is
0: awesome. who who likes (laughs) this? Who
1: likes it, yeah. Yeah, so so being able to kind of like find my voice with that and discuss it with her ahead of time
0: was Mm -hmm. huge. Yes, and realize your feelings are on the spectrum of like, this is extra sucky, like maybe beyond the average bear. Yeah,
1: oh my gosh. Yeah, And, and she was understanding to the point where like, I mean, there was an appointment that I showed up to that I fully thought was like a, a topical ultrasound and she was like, Oh no, it's an inner uterine. And I was like, I'm gonna need ten minutes. Yeah. you have mm-hmm. to leave and I'm need ten minutes. And after ten minutes, the doctor came back and I was like, uh, I you're gonna have to try. You're gonna have to try it topical first. And and they did. And like it was just it was just so much easier to like <laughs> go to the doctor and be like, this is where I'm at and I need you to meet me here. I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not going to kill myself for um, a cervical exam for you. Like it's, you're not going to like derail my whole day. Yes. You know? So
0: I mean was, how empowering even therapist. just to share these like words and like knowing yeah. some a few word tracks as my sale my former salesperson days would say, <laughs> just to know that like you have the option to say to the doctor, like, wow, I'm really uncomfortable with this. I need 10 minutes to think it over and then to request something else because you own your body and you are weren't ready for that. So I don't know, I think that's really powerful actually.
1: Yeah. And she, she didn't like roll her eyes or be like, you know, I'm on schedule or like you, (laughs) you know, there there was none of that. She was like incredibly, incredibly supportive. And it was just, and and the whole office, it was all women in the office. There were three doctors there and I, I saw two of them. um, And they were both so great. Um, So it made, it made me feel better about being like, okay, this is for sure going to be a hospital birth and this, I'm gonna for sure get an epidural. I'm like, this is how all this is going to go, yeah. Um, fast forward to his actual his actual birth, Yes, like let's go there. We're at the height of the pandemic. Um, my parents are over the age of sixty and they live several states away. So they're not coming out to help with my daughter. We have no other family here. Mm-hmm. so um. After a lot, and I mean a lot, of, like, hemming and hawing, I was past due, and I had told my OB the whole time, I was like, I'm not getting induced, I'm not getting induced, I'm not getting induced. And um, around around 34 weeks of pregnancy, I started to develop, like, really severe pelvic pain where I could not even get up out of bed and go to the bathroom comfortably. Like, just everything hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. Um
0: I do feel Mm -hmm. like my second pregnancy, it's like I could immediately feel the baby and felt like he was always about to just fall right out of my vagina the entire time. So do
1: you feel like that's because it was a boy? Because we both had boys for our second pregnancy. Like, do do you think that boys just sit lower? Or do you think it's because your body is just like, we've done this before. Like, let's just everything stretch out.
0: (laughs) Probably all of the above. I mean, with my daughter, I felt like her... Foot was always under my right rib. I can almost still feel it. And then with him, though, he was never that high. He was like always in my pelvis, like tickling my hip bone, and just like again, falling out of the vagina. <laughs> like it was just very strange. So I don't know if that's common or what. So,
1: so with Owen, I felt extremely disconnected from my pregnancy. I never knew where he was inside of me. I always knew where Ellie was. I always knew what part of the body was where.
0: I never I felt
1: Owen. And I was kind of like, is this because I don't have a midwife, you know, palpating me every mm-hmm. few weeks? Or is this because this is just so different? Mm. Um, and I also, and like in the, the back of my mind with the way that my birth played out, I was like, I should have known this was going to happen. I could never feel his head down, mm. like in my cervix, in my vagina. Like I had super severe lightning crotch with Ellie, her head was down, like locked and loaded. I knew exactly where she was. And with Ellen, I was kind of like, mm, I know there's a baby in there, like
0: floating around what's happening.
1: Um, so yeah, I had this like severe pelvic pain, just super over the pregnancy. <laughs> and finally I got to 41 weeks and I told my doctor, like, I, I want to do a membrane sleep. And I, I think we can schedule an induction. She was, she was kind of like, do you want to do this? Do you not want to like, it's, it's up to you. Um, and I was like, no, let's just schedule it. Like, I'm just so over it. Let's just schedule it because it's easier to, if I can have someone come over and be with my daughter, like that, that was also in the back of my mind was like, this will add to like ease of (laughs) Mm -hmm. like, everything was so out of control that I was like, this is something that I can. Yeah. Control and like this feels good to me, so this is what I'm going to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Which,
1: as you know, I'm like super anti-induction, or was sure <laughs> like never I never say never. never. Um, oh yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. And I I talked to my sister because she had gotten induced, and she was like, you know what what scares you so much about it? And I really couldn't come up with any good reason, so I was like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, but I. I did tell my doctor it had to be after a certain date for whatever reason. I was just like, I just feel like it has to be after this point. Um, yeah. And she was like, yeah, no problem. And I did tell her like, I don't not crazy about being induced with Pitocin also not crazy about like cervadil or side attack or like any sort of pill that has to be inserted in my vagina. What are my other options? And she said, well, we can do a balloon um, which uh, she said it works, works typically really well with second time moms. Um, you know, and it, you know, we fill it up with water basically, and it helps expand your cervix when it just falls out a few hours later. And, um, you know, so they works.
0: literally stick it, a balloon
1: in your <laughs> vagina
0: and they fill it up with I mean, water.
1: Is that how that works? <laughs> it's like a balloon that you see at like a kid's birthday party. But, <laughs> right. They come in with um, a little pump. Yeah, a clown actually comes in and <laughs> Just, like, adds the effect of, like, what a circus birth is. <laughs> um, no, so um, it was a, uh, it looked like two um, bulbs, basically, and, like, a tube, and um, they, it, I think they do, like, one in your cervix, one against your cervix, and, like, one against your uterus, and, like, the pressure of those two. Balloons, and again, I could be like getting this totally wrong, but is supposed to help expand your cervix. And it, at that point, I was already having that like prodromal labor again, work mm-hmm. every twenty minutes. But so I felt really good about like, yeah, let's like go in and do this. And then um a day before the scheduled induction, I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought that my water broke. I just had this like massive gush of fluid mm-hmm. and was like, well, that's weird. That that didn't feel like when my water broke the first time. Mm-hmm. And there's also not a ton of it and there's not a trickle. So I called the hospital and they were like, oh, you should come in. And I was so annoyed by it because it was two in the morning.
0: Mm.
1: We didn't have anyone to watch my daughter. We had to wake her up.
0: No, was- that's the worst <laughs> it's part. During- <laughs> it's during COVID. So
1: only I can be in triage. My husband can't come with me, but it's fine because he has a daughter anyways. So I'm just there by myself being like, I don't know what's happening oh, my to my God. body right now. <laughs> um, so I go in and, um, because I'm a person who has like pretty high anxiety, I do a lot of research into things. So I get in and I'm like, are you going to check for pooling? Are you going to do a fern test? Are you going to check for amniotic? <laughs> I'm like asking them five million questions. And right. The, the on call nurse was really nice. She was like, "Do you work in the medical field? Because like, <laughs> you seem to have a, a, a good amount of knowledge about what we're going to do." Right. And I was like, "Oh, I'm just like a really anxious person." So I went. <laughs> um, so we did all those things. They were like, "It's not your water. Your water didn't break. It's still intact." Um, But they were like, but you're here um, and you're going to be induced tomorrow. Like, do you want to just stay? You want to do I, it? Yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> you said no.
0: Then, you went home.
1: Uh, yeah. I said, no. <laughs> I said no. And I went home. Nice. Um, my Ellie was very upset when I, I came back to the car and she was like, where's the baby? Where's
0: the baby? <laughs> like, where's my baby, mom? It <laughs> like hour long
1: hospital trip. And, side note, before. I had gone to the hospital. Will you say? I'm good. <laughs> Thumbs up. Uh, before I had gone to the hospital to be induced, I told my OB, I said, um, what happens if I don't show up on the day of my scheduled induction? And she, she was like, are you planning on being a no-show to your own birth? <laughs> <And> <laughs> I was like, I just want to be honest with you and tell you like, if I'm not feeling it that morning, if I feel like no, I, I don't want to do this, I'm not coming in. And she was like, "That's okay." I mean, I've never I've never had anybody do that before. Wow! But if you
0: <laughs> never, she said, <laughs> she's like, "Well, then we call the police."
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a warrant out for your arrest. Right? Um, no, she she said, um, "If you don't come in, I will. I'll still call you just to make sure that you're okay." And then we can go from there. And I felt so good about that response because that was it was
0: such like, a great doctor. Yeah, no pressure. It wasn't like I've gone through all the trouble to schedule an
1: induction and like we need to get this baby out. You know, she was she was so chill. She was like, yeah,
0: let me <laughs> if you
1: don't want to show up, I can't can't make you come.
0: Right, so, right. You're the star of the show. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> So woke
1: up on the morning of the induction. At like
0: five AM,
1: said goodbye to to Ellie, um, and just like drove to the hospital, and was like, "This is a weird sensation of like I'm driving to have a baby, and I'm like perfectly." Nice.
0: Wow! Uh,
1: the time that we did this, I was like in a
0: lot of pain. So, oh, <laughs> so a car ride in labor. Yeah, it's rough. Horrible. Uh, so I got
1: to the hospital. Uh, I honestly don't know what I was thinking. I was like, I packed bagels for my husband and I. (laughs) (laughs) You can't eat food
0: right now. You're like, I'll be right back. (laughs) I just have to run a quick Uh, little errand in the parking lot (laughs) while I consume these bagels. (laughs) Oh, so so because it was
1: um, the pandemic, I got another COVID test. I had gotten a test when I was in triage the night before, 24 hours passed, so I got to have another test. Once it was negative, Scott could come into the room with me. Wow. Uh, COVID in times. Room. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I got hooked up to an IV pretty quickly. And um, then they they put like the heart monitors on me. And, um, I was once again, uncomfortable. And I, I was like, look, uh, we got to take these off. You, I know that you guys have a wireless monitor, <laughs> put the wireless monitor on me. Wow. And there you there go. Um, so hot tip out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hot tip. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask for a wireless monitor. It makes right. your life better. Um, cause you're like going to the bathroom all the time. And you're hooked up to all these weird things. So they, um, my OB came in and inserted the balloon. Um it actually was nowhere near as painful as it like it didn't hurt at all. And there was some some pressure. Um and that was kind of it. And I was like, oh like that's all you're done. Like we're
0: mm-hmm. now we just
1: wait. Um nice. pretty okay. Um and then um the lovely waiting game started and 12 hours passed. My God. And there was really not a ton of progress happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was dilating, but very slowly. And then after the 12 hours, I was like, I, I was like, I w- would like to make it to five centimeters before I uh, get an epidural. But I wasn't allowing them to do like a ton of cervical checks, so yeah. I was, we're just in like limbo here. Um,
0: were you just like sitting around watching TV and stuff? Were you in pain, like active labor with contractions or? Yeah.
1: So contractions did start and they were definitely uncomfortable. And uh, I was walking around the room a lot. I was on a bouncy ball. I was not watching any TV. I was just chatting with like Scott, like, and, and with the nurses. I remember because it was the pandemic, a nurse got assigned to you. And then she like kind of didn't leave your room
0: um wow. they didn't have
1: a lot of running of like running around so you got to know your nurses really really well so wow wow
0: wow that's were, different
1: yeah i was like chatting a lot with the nurse that was there and ordering a lot of like jello and popsicles and <laughs> nice you know, the only things that i could eat um and and of course Scott was eating too all all like three meals a day were provided to him through the hospital oh um, sure he so, couldn't leave was so painful as a laboring person to sit and watch someone eat where you can't sure um, <laughs> that was cool but um yeah 12 so 12 hours had passed um there wasn't a ton of progress and then the balloon did come out so I had I knew that I had made it to like around four and a half to five centimeters um, it came out, and then they were like, "All right, we'd like to start you on pitocin." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not really ready for that yet." So, mm-hmm. no. um, And I just continued to kind of like walk around. And they, I, it's it's so funny. They they literally offered me the the um, epidural the second that I got to the hospital. They were like, "Do you want it now?" And I was like, "Are you <laughs> out of your mind?" Like,
0: right, no? right. You're like, I just woke <laughs> up. I'm not even laboring. <laughs> <leaving." laughs> no thanks um, are you, you slow say, right now or what nervous you just like survive, right <laughs> drive through epidural
1: <laughs> so they they kept on uh nurses kept on coming in being like all right um you know just so you know uh the anesthesiologist is going into a surgery so if you want your epidural now you should get it now but if not just know that you'll be waiting an hour for it mm-hmm. so it's kind of someone always coming in and telling you like just There's status cute. like where the anesthesiologist was <laughs> um, <Sure. laughs> and I, I decided after getting the balloon out I was like you know what um let me just get the epidural because then I want to start Pitocin and like I just want to I just want to have this baby like I just want to
0: mm-hmm. get the this, this along yep um
1: yeah so this anesthesiologist comes in and I tell him like hey last time I had an epidural I crashed immediately and we kind of talk about like what happened and he's like, okay, like, well, we're, we're prepared for it this time. Cause you have an IV bag of fluid and like, you probably didn't have enough fluid last time. It's okay. Mm-hmm. So he does the epidural and um, I don't feel any different really. I'm like, Oh, um, I don't think that it's working. And, and they're like, well, give it, give it a few minutes. Cause sometimes it takes time to kick in. And with Ellie's epidural, it was like immediate relief. So this is very weird. I I don't feel like this is how it was last time. So I kind of sit around for ten minutes and I'm like, Yeah, I still feel my contractions and they're not comfy. So let's get him back in here. Um and he comes in, takes out the epidural that he had placed, and he looks at my spine and he's like, Do you do you know that you have scoliosis? And I was like, Are you <laughs> are you shitting me right now? Like <laughs> No, I've never been told that I had scoliosis. <laughs> like, like, literally, what are you talking about? Oh, and my then all of a sudden, like, all of my back problems my whole entire life made sense in that one moment. <laughs> God.
0: Your whole life is flashing before your eyes. You're like yeah. in labor, but you're like, wait a minute. My God.
1: Hold on. <laughs>
0: so, wow. That's so I'm crazy. Like,
1: yeah, I'm like, all right. Well, this is really weird. So he's like, because you have a minor case of scoliosis, this epidural is going to be incredibly difficult to place. So he's like, I just want you to bear with me. And I was, I was like, you know what? The needles really don't bug me. So please don't worry about it. Like I, I'm fine. And he had to place it. <laughs> he he did it like four more times before it was right. And. I was kind of like, oh, I, I knew immediately I
0: was like, oh, that one's working
1: like that. That's it. That's wow.
0: It. Was um, that crazy? Was it painful? Yeah. Like this feels like a a fever dream. Like after oh. the fact, you're like, oh, and I have scoliosis now. I came home with a second <laughs> baby and apparently scoliosis. And a diagnosis. diagnosis,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, No, it wasn't. It wasn't painful. I mean, like they, they give you like numbing meds before they put the needle in your spine Mm -hmm. anyways, but like I I, I was having contractions at that point that were painful. And so I was more focused on that. And like, you're hunched over in a really uncomfortable position right? and there's like so much else going on. I was like, I don't care if you stick me like seven more times. Right. Just like make this all the time. Yeah. So I get the epidural. And it's working. I no longer feel contractions, but I can feel everything else. I feel every cervical check that happens. I'm like, my vagina is not numb at all. Oh. So I start having like an internal crisis. Oh god. This. Oh god. And I'm i constantly. Anytime there's a cervical check, I freak out and I like clench no. up. Like you need to tell me what you're doing. You need to tell me where you're touching me. Like you. Like, I need to take a break from this right now. It just became so intense. Oh, and that's so intense. I was, I was like, why is this epidural so different from the yeah. one with Ellie? I it's like not even a
0: thing in, in your first. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So the one with Ellie, I could not move my legs. They my legs felt like tree trunks. They felt like they weighed 100 pounds each and I could not move them at all. Mm-hmm. With this epidural, I had fully functioning legs. I was able to um get myself on all fours. I was able to move around the bed. Um I could get myself into different positions really easily. I didn't even have to like pick up my leg and move it. I could just move my legs. Strange. Um, which was cool, but I was like on the flip side, I would really like to not feel anything right now. <laughs> like like I really didn't want to feel. Cervical checks. I really didn't want to feel,
0: mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Was but that's where I was at. And mm-hmm. um just another testament yeah. to like, yeah. Don't plan on anything being the way you think it's going to be. Right. So um
1: finally my water broke naturally. Um, and that's when things kind of started to go downhill. Um I still at that point, like could not feel his head in my cervix or like really like it, it just felt like he was not aligned the way that Ellie was. Um, so kind of in the back of my mind, I was just like, something is not totally right here. Interesting. Um, and I'm not making a ton of progress, uh, dilating and they're like, okay, baby is showing some signs of distress. So we're actually going to put water back in you, which I didn't know was a thing. I was was like, uh, okay, (laughs) I I have no idea what that even is, but like, go for it. So they do that. Baby's doing like a a tiny bit better. And then we're there for like several more hours. (laughs) I like, I don't even remember like what was happening in this time span because I'm so focused on, all, all I can think of is I'm going to push this baby out of my vagina, and I'm going to feel every goddamn thing, and I don't want to do that right now.
0: Mm. So I, yeah, I'm
1: not even process anything else that's happening. Yeah, and I think that's probably what like stalled up my labor, honestly, because I just mm-hmm. could surrender to it. Um, yeah. because mm-hmm. I'm so certain. Like, no, I I took this drug, I
0: yeah.
1: numb this part of my body. Like, why isn't this working? And yeah, and even yeah. people I've heard from who who have had like failed epidurals before, have had like a numb vagina, but then like been able to feel their contractions. So I was just like, I don't understand why this is w- the way that it is. Um, but anyways, it all started to go horribly downhill, and <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of time had passed, and I kept on comparing the time to like Ellie's birth. I was like, okay, Ellie's water broke at this time and then uh, um, you know four hours later
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know so I was like in my head trying to compare
0: mm-hmm. milestones
1: okay, I should, yeah I should be pushing now I should be feeling something now Um, and then I could feel something I was like okay I feel like I need to push but it's not the same feeling I had with Ellie I don't feel him in my butt you know how like when yes. you need to push it like you need to poop yeah he, he felt like he was coming out it sounds so weird but like above that like not he like oh. was not lower he was like above that that's oh, just how it felt fascinating yeah so the doctor comes in and she's like um she sits down next to me and she's like um let's talk about like what's happening and she's like this is you know i want i want you to look at your chart and she pulls up the chart next to me and like goes goes back for like several hours and she's like "Here's your baby's heart rate and like this is just this like steady decline and she's like you know what we're seeing I really think that the best option is going to be a c-section and I just burst into tears because I was like it's not at all what I thought would happen Mm -hmm. I just I don't want to do this and she was really great she was like I know this isn't what you wanted. It's not what I wanted for you either. But like we're gonna we're gonna do this and like we're gonna have a baby soon. Like really trying to like
0: pump me sure.
1: up. Remember your plan. Have a baby. You know? <laughs> I couldn't even I, I couldn't even go back to that plan in that moment. Um mm-hmm. uh, and Scott, my husband, is, like, standing next to me, and he's crying, too, because I'm crying, and he knows that I don't want this, and, mm. you know, he's trying to be, like, really supportive, he's, like, no, no, you like, this isn't your fault, like, you did everything so right, like, it's going to be okay, and I just, I didn't want to hear any of it, I mm. just, like, I just. Uh, Let me wallow never-
0: in my self-pity right now. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And I honestly was just like so terrified of surgery because I'd never had surgery before. I just thought like, I'm going to die on this table. And I have, I didn't even care about the baby at that point, which sounds really awful to say, but like, I just want to be fully honest about this. I did not care. I just was like, I have a three-year-old at home that very much needs a mother and Mm -hmm. I cannot die right now. Like I, like, this is not happening. This cannot happen. So. For the next probably like twenty minutes, there was someone in the operating room, so they were waiting for them to leave, which is weird So like <laughs> you're waiting to get into an operating room, you're signing this paperwork that says like you might die. It's like you're giving consent to a surgery, and it's like <laughs> sometimes side effects of death, like right. And you're, wow. You're signing you're like is this nec- Like is this an emergency? And I I remember like saying to someone like this, like we need we need to do this. Right. And they're like, this is urgent. Like, we got to do this. So, um, they they come in and they give you, yeah, they give you this like disgusting, disgusting drink. Um, and it's to like settle your stomach acid, but it tastes like stomach acid. Oh, (laughs) and I I remember saying to the nurse, I was like, if men had to give birth, this would taste like a Manhattan. Like I just so. (laughs) Yes. No way. I was like, wait a second, you asshole are going to cut me open and you're making me drink this
0: crap. Like you've got right. to be kidding me. Like, right. where? How does this not taste where better? My- yeah. You try a little more people. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: um, okay. I should, I should mention by the way, um, after my, after I got my epidural, I could not stop shaking. I was oh. shaking. So much, it looked like I was having a seizure at some at some point. So it was just so out of control, oh. and I didn't why that was happening. So, anyways,
0: on top of no. everything else, yeah, yeah, shaking uncontrollably um, with your scoliosis uh, diagnosis. <laughs> I'm just not going to get over that. <laughs> um
1: Yeah, so I. Scott leaves the room. Luckily he was able to be in the delivery room with me. Um, he goes to like get dressed in his scrub. I'm getting prepped for surgery. They're wheeling me down the hall and I just go like, numb. I'm, I'm just like, I just need to like escape this moment. Um,
0: oh, did you pass and out? Then,
1: and then it's like, as like a last ditch effort, to like, I don't know, try to control some aspects of what's happening. I start telling them like, I, I want to do skin to skin and I don't want my arms tied down. And I, I want you to leave the um, umbilical cord attached to the placenta for this long. I just like start spewing like just all of the nonsense, nonsense mm-hmm. requests that I have. Um, in, in uh, just a last ditch attempt to be like, I am owning mm-hmm. some aspect of this.
0: Yeah.
1: And I get into the operating room and I, I kind of like, I'm just numb to everything. And in retrospect, I should have just let them tie down my arms because I couldn't figure out how to put them down. I was literally on laying, laying on the table and like my arms just look like goalposts. So like a football <laughs> And I can't. And I know that people are saying to me, "You can put your arms down," but I can't physically do it.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. And, are you still and shaking? I, and you're probably yes, just in total yes, shock I, at this point. I'm shaking,
1: and I'm watching because my arms aren't tied down. I'm watching my arms shake, and I there's like such a hustle bustle of like people around you, and like a bright light, and you don't see anything because the curtains up in front of you, and like I didn't want to see anything anyways. So I was very thankful for that. Um, But I turned to this anesthesiologist and I was like, can you give me something for anxiety? And he's like, well, we normally don't like to give it until after the baby's out because it does pass through your placenta. And I was like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I need something for this anxiety. And the last thing that I remember saying was (laughs) my shoulders hurt. (laughs) I kept, I kept telling Scott, he he got in the room and was standing next to me and I was like, My shoulders hurt, my shoulders hurt so bad. Can you rub my shoulders? Can you rub my shoulders? And I think he was kind of like, What what the heck is wrong with you? Like you're literally being sliced open and you won't shut up about like a shoulder rub. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> And that was actually the last that I remember because I don't know if it was the anxiety meds or my need to just like not be present in that situation. Mm-hmm. I blacked out wow and the last thing that I remember I I remember like a blip of time hearing him cry when he mm-hmm. when he was out and then the last thing I remember is um waking up and they were transferring me from the operating table to a gurney whoa that was it I had missed the birth completely like wow. completely. Um, which, in retrospect, I'm actually, that was a lot to try and deal with. Like, to, that was a lot.
0: <laughs> to, I mean, just everything you're checking off, uh, yeah. you know, just, it's a lot to but process. Be,
1: to be wheeled out and have someone be like, oh, here's your baby. And, like, 12 other people have already touched him. Yeah. I was like, what just happened? Like, I, I don't even know. Um, so, anyways, we're, we're in recovery and I'm feeling so weak. And I, I had such a dry mouth. I remember I was so thirsty and I was like, can I just, can I just have some water, like some ice chips? And they were like, we can't give you any of that. Um, because we don't want you like throwing up and like busting a stitch basically. And they kept giving me these like Q-tips basically that were, um, they had like sugar they were like sugar water they were like dipped in sugar water <laughs> i think i asked for like 50 of them
0: right you're like can you triple the order please <laughs> need a triple shot <laughs> the, only,
1: the only thing that was like providing moisture to like my very dry throat and i was so uncomfortable um wow but yeah he um ended up being fine in the long run my doctor came up the next day um, when I was in recovery and I'm so thankful that she did this she was like I just want to walk you through everything that happened in the surgery
0: oh that's okay. really nice of her I oh. was like oh
1: thank goodness she's doing this because I just felt so cheated of this experience and yeah like, <laughs> it was it was very much being done to me and I, I wasn't a part of it I just wasn't it wasn't even there basically yeah um, So what had happened was, uh, he was, Owen was asynclitic. So he was coming down the birth canal at an angle and presenting face first. And, um, and he had gotten basically suctioned to my cervix. Um, I probably had a little something to do with that because honestly, when I was told I needed a C-section, I begged the doctor to push. I was like, "Please let me push! Please let me push! Please let me push!" And she she was like, "Okay, we're we're gonna do this. I'm gonna let you push, but I'm not going to let you do harm to yourself or like or or exhaust yourself from doing this. Like, like let's see what happens." And I still appreciated that she gave me that chance and wasn't like, "No, I, we're doing a C-section. Like, like mm-hmm. you know, get, get with the program." Um, but I think probably the pushing like really suctioned him in there more possibly mm-hmm. um so he had a huge he came out with this huge bruise from his forehead to like kind of the middle of his head mm-hmm. um and he big scrape on his nose and mm-hmm. he was like real beat up looking Aww, um, and, and just like very Grayish yellow, like super. Because the bruise was like super, like jaundicey colored. Yellow eyes, like not a not a cute baby. Um, oh,
0: baby! <laughs> um,
1: All so, those babies are
0: so jaundice yeah. when they're born. <laughs> I
1: know, I know. Um, but she she had told me, you know, because he was so suctioned into my cervix, she actually had to reach up my vagina during the C section. And shoved him out that way. And it took two people tugging on him to get him out. And when he was born, he had an APGAR score of two, which is like horrible. (laughs) He was just like gray and lifeless and needed to be resuscitated. And uh, so you
0: weren't even conscious or any of this. No, I had no idea. Gosh,
1: wow. In, in retrospect i was glad that i wasn't because
0: mm-hmm. i
1: i'm glad that i didn't also have to be the panicky mom of like why is not my baby crying what's going on what's happening right now yeah. you know like when they're <laughs> like they're trying to do a job they're trying to literally save two lives and yeah. i'm glad that i wasn't the person who was like tell me what's going on right now because i i don't think that i could have handled hearing that too i think yeah like my heart rate would have gone through the roof and yeah so
0: what about Scott? Does he have like does he share his version of that? That must have been pretty scary.
1: Yeah, um I mean he didn't uh, see much of it because he was behind the curtain and was kind of like talking to me during it even though I like wasn't responsive.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but like Scott is so cool, calm and <laughs> collected like right. He, I'm I'm very like frantic I have a lot of like frenetic energy and like, he's super grounded and, like everything's gonna be okay and um yeah it was, it was like that in that situation but um yeah it was so, like, weird it was weird to like get out of the surgery and and open my eyes and like suddenly I had a baby and he was like already all like wrapped up and like had a
0: hat on and- sure and he's all cute you're like you you don't even know if he had or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah. here's a ba- it's like
1: oh, how you see it on
0: television. You know, they're like, <laughs> yeah. here's your clean baby in this like beautiful cap, all swaddled professionally, like a little yeah. caterpillar. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So then that it probably enlightened you a bit, like the doctor coming in and being like, this is why he's really beat up. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, um, I don't know that I had like fully seen how. Beat up, he was because I yeah. felt so weak after the surgery that I wasn't like standing up and like undressing him and like looking at him and changing a diaper. I was just kind of like, I can't even
0: really wrap my head around what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, for the record, he did not look that beat up. <laughs> <laughs> I have to send you that's, okay. that's because I only
1: posted the cute pictures to Instagram. I will send you <laughs> another photo and you could see for yourself. Um, but now he was, he, he was very different than what we thought he was going to look like. We were a hundred percent set on the name Maxwell. And then both of us saw him and we were like, that's, that's not Max. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, exactly that was, what happened with us. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm, <laughs> anyway, yeah. you. Wait, what was your name that you were, it started with an S.
0: Simon. Simon. Yeah. Simon or Thomas. <clears throat> and then. He came and we were like, Nope, it's Malcolm. That is definitely your name. It was like so obvious. Well, and even when I was pushing him, I was like talking to him, you know, in my brain. I'm like, Okay, we're going to do this together. And I kept calling him Malcolm for some reason in my mind. So it's just strange how that happens.
1: It's funny that you say that because actually, right before I had been told any the C section, I turned to Scott and I was like I think his name's Owen and I had been anti that name my whole pregnancy Scott loved it Same. and I like, was not getting on getting on board with, with it and then huh. all of a sudden it just hit me I was like no oh, that's his name like that's what it's supposed to be
0: oh it's a beautiful name thanks <laughs> um yeah but that's wow name. what a journey my gosh yeah. so then like and I- of course his
1: postpartum, I mean, like I'm three, I'm three months postpartum with him now, um, yeah. and while I, while I do still have like moments of anxiety and like moments of OCD, that like I, I notice, it's nowhere near. You don't have any depression this time around. I would very much love to go around and be around people, but I can't because of this stupid pandemic. Right, um, yeah. and I 100% attribute it to the fact that a baby did not come out of my vagina this time. And I had a C-section. And if I were to go through another birth, I'm definitely not having other kids. But if I were to have another baby, I would have an elective C-section just because my mental state was so different this time around. Fascinating.
0: Oh my gosh. It's the dynamic never, of your births are like, so fascinating to me because I, it's like never, you go in, starting wanting to have this yeah. like all natural home birth in water and then ending up, and which actually sounded like a smoother birth, but the aftermath was yeah. so different. And then, and then to go through what sounds like actually a lot of like, traumatic upheaval going through c-section and not to doubt i don't want to bad mouth c-sections in any way yeah. i mean uh, yeah, yeah. they're so needed and for like especially just the experience you've described in your birth like so important like i i just yeah. hope that we can stop shaming women for like all the choices that we have to make around birth pregnancy yeah. mother etc sex everything but um yeah, it's just so fascinating because now, after having gone through like that, the journey with Owen, and now afterwards, granted, you're three months in or what have you. But yeah, yeah. and to know that you'd like go for a Lexus C section, I mean, what a what and, a transformation. And like you, you know how I felt about like C sections, I was
1: so anti them. But but I think because it took such a toll on my mental health the first time around, and this time around, it's been like so great. and. Like, like, I, I remember like being barely six weeks postpartum and being like, oh, I kind of want to have sex. Like, mm. like that's a new, that's a new sensation that like yeah. I definitely didn't feel with Ellie and not saying that this is like <laughs> all about having sex, but like just oh, it is not having, not having to, feel, <laughs> <laughs> not having to deal with the trauma and the, the upheaval of like this. Thing that happened to me years and years ago that like I it just you know like if if you can do what you can to to not be reminded of that like I think that's really great. Now now had someone said to me ahead of time like, "Hey, if you're a sexual trauma survivor, like you might want to opt for a C-section," I still wouldn't have. I would have been like, "No, no, 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 no. Um, I'm going to have a vaginal birth. Like everything's going to be fine. It's going to be totally okay. This is what I want." Um, mm-hmm. But I am, in the long run, I'm very glad that Owen came into the world the way that he did because it really, I think, sort of saved me, especially during a pandemic, right? Like, you're, you're already having a rough time. And, like, I just cannot imagine mm-hmm. going through the same sort of emotions that I went through with Ellie mm-hmm. during this time again. Mm-hmm. So. Um, as as much of, like a shock as it was, and and like what the hell happened, sort of <laughs> sort of thing. Um, I'm really glad that that what happened happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so powerful, Caitlin. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing your stories. This is uh-huh. just like so amazing. Any other like <sighs> parting words of wind wisdom to share with other? moms or the um, community of birthing people. I just I just think it's so important
1: to like figure out what you want. Don't figure out like, don't ask a friend like, well what do you recommend for birth? Or like don't ask a doctor. Like really take time to sit with your own thoughts and be like, why do I want this? Why do I hold this belief? Why do I need this thing to go this certain way? Um, because I think, I think that's just like the most helpful thing. In in the end, it's nobody's experience except for your own, like there can, there can be other people there, but no one's going through what you're going through. And, you know, even if you have a, a friend who has a very similar birth story to you, or has a similar pregnancy, like everything is just so different and, and so different for so many people. So mm-hmm. I think it's, important to like, listen to yourself and, and what you want to do and, and to just really go with it too. Like, don't, uh, don't second guess yourself, you know, like I'm, I'm having a, you know, a, a vaginal water birth in my backyard and that's what we're doing. Or like, I'm going to the hospital and having like C-section because that's what works for me right now. Like just go with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great yeah. advice. Hmm. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh friend well this was even though i will forever i will forever be jealous of
1: your your water birth with malcolm because i think it just sounded really cool and i remember seeing you like a few days after and you were like up walking around and i was like
0: hey, <laughs> she was good <laughs> oh my god <laughs> So fun, <laughs> but I do remember. I remember talking to you specifically after I gave yeah. birth to Malcolm, being like, "It was as great as it can you can possibly imagine it, but it was also more traumatic than I remember." <laughs> like
1: uh, yeah, I um, remember it's you. No joke.
0: Yes, yeah, no joke. Yeah. But, um, but it's so so incredible, so so good, and so bad. <laughs> All the things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I just love talking about birth with you, with everybody, but especially you. Um, so special. Thank you, friend. I feel like this has been a wonderful indulgence. Two hours of birth birth talk. I know this has been fun because it's two hours of birth
1: talk and it's two hours where I'm not talking to a toddler wiping, wiping a
0: baby's butt. So. Oh my God. Seriously. It. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll stop recording now, but, um, thank okay. you so much again. Anything else you want to add before we part ways? Do you want to share any information about how people can find you online or? Oh yeah. Other? You can find mm. me. Uh, you know what? I actually don't know if I ever said that my name was Caitlin. In the- <laughs> <laughs> I'll write an <laughs> intro. We'll do a little intro in the beginning. Okay. Since just dove right in.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at Kate, not Kate. It's C a i t period not period k a t e. Um, I will accept your friend request. I'll
0: link it in the show notes too. Follow along, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, friend. Thank you so much for listening today. This is the Shout Your Birth podcast hosted by Monty O'Brien. By listening in, you're helping us to further our mission to demystify birth through storytelling with the goal of helping to solve America's motherhood mortality health crisis, which negatively and disproportionately impacts especially black women in the U.S. I invite you to share your raw and unfiltered birth story. You can send me a voice note totally anonymously if you wish by visiting shoutyourbirth.com or clicking through the link in our bios off of our TikTok and our Instagram accounts, which are at shoutyourbirth. Until next time, stay well. Thank you again.